Live from Derbyshire, this is The Sunday Lunch Show with Brent Poland, and you are listening live. Good afternoon and welcome to The Sunday Show with me, Brent Poland, and I'll have my guest Adam Spencer on as well. We'll be talking today about the average week of a teacher. What was our life like this week? Our highs, our lows, the laughter, the madness that is the teaching profession. So tune in and talk it out with me, Brent Poland and Adam Spence. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio. Hashtag TT Radio. Welcome to the Sunday show with me, Brent Poland, and I have my guest, my regular contributor, Adam Spence. And this week, we thought it was a good idea um, to have a look at the average day and the average week of an average teacher. Now, I'm not going to claim that I'm an average teacher because I don't define what an average teacher is. That's something we can have a discussion about. But I am a head of department, yes. Uh, I've taught 18, 19 years. But I don't have sort of middle management pastoral roles. I am a mostly a classroom teacher, so uh, and secondary. So this is an atypical week. It's probably slightly more of a special week in some ways when you consider some of the things I've done this week. But it wasn't that I chose this week to have this um, sort of show. This is just the way the chips have lied. So some of the things I would have done this week aren't always the things I would normally do. But then there's other times when I do extraordinary things like take kids on trips. So this is an average week of an average teacher. So how's your week been then, Adam? Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Well, it's been one of those weeks, hasn't it, again, where, you know, you kind of you start the week, you kind of get excited about it, kind of get into the week. But, uh, yeah, it's been a long one. Definitely feels like a long one this week. Uh, obviously, the um, dark when you wake up, dark when you come home doesn't help. However, there's lots of lots of things that have happened that have been really memorable as well. So kind of it's not it's not kind of a negative thing that we want to talk about. We want to talk about there's been lots of highs within that. Uh, but it's been one of those weeks that's gone average about fifty hours, I think, this week. You've done fifty hours I this think week. fifty hours this um, week, yeah. I, I totaled up my hours this week and I, I count from last Sunday, so I'm not gonna count this Sunday. Yeah. So uh, in total I did fifty point five hours in school. So yep. I'm I'm usually a, a late lever to school uh, my caretaker will testify to sometimes actually ironically accidentally locking me in <laughs> and then me at the door going let me yeah. so i do tend to stay late to try and avoid bringing stuff home yeah um so i in total i was 50.5 hours in school and then on top of that there was another 11 or 12 hours so i'm talking 60 odd plus hours yeah. this week which is a slightly unusual week because i had a lot of data to enter this week so there's a lot of um first time data entry yeah that's, getting ready. that's the same for me as well so we've had um assessments so i teach a lot of b-tech stuff so we are we're marking assignments and they can kind of quite be quite long but we've also got uh, a level mock exams uh, that have come in this week and obviously they take a lot of time to kind of process mark uh check and moderate with the team as well um so they kind of especially a, a b-tech assignment for me we're talking an average one one assignment is about kind of ten pages long. It's a ten page report. 
got about kind of 20, 24 of them to mark kind of as things go on. So although I talk about um, hours, uh, there's obviously there's all sorts of other things going on as well because there's you have to process there's there's processing time within that isn't there um, that kind of goes before and after that hour so maybe it is maybe it does go over fifty hours for me uh, I'm talking about fifty hours in terms of literally me being in a building kind of doing stuff um, but there's lots of kind of processing all the stuff that we're doing well it's the thinking about it. it's like planning lessons yeah, that's I mean, right. you, you, you're the thing about teaching is it's an immersive mm. it's an immersive uh, job. Because you're always you're always on duty. You're always thinking. You're always oh, that's a really good idea. You're always uh, dipping in and out. You're always having these conversations. It's mentally draining because even when you say you have your your lunch, I, I had two lunches this week. Yeah. Uh, two lunches where I sat down and talked to my colleagues. Other lunches were spent in union business and supervising children. Break times. Oh, sometimes you know, snaffling a, a cake while running out of the staff room with a cup in hand while trying to unjam a photocopier. Yes, there is still people jamming the photocopier when you need a couple of copies. So you Can know, someone help Brent out here and not not do this. So yeah. he said, so, so it gives him a bit of a break during the day because it's definitely a bone of contention for you, isn't it? It's just, I just want to know who this person is. <laughs> jamming the photocopy, especially the color photocopy. You know, yeah. I like my sources done in color. There's no point giving it. GCSE kids, you know, colour photocopy. You know, they need the colour photocopies, don't they? So, yes, it's just when you, you add up all those interactions, all these little sort of things that take up your... It's the brain space. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. It's that, it's that kind of... You just don't always, as a teacher, get to switch off because there's a the next deadline or there's a the next lesson to plan or there's there's always a set of books that could do with a good mark or there's, there's a learning review coming up or there's, there's some bureaucratic nonsense that you have to service because... Somebody from you know has read something on a course that they did, <laughs> and, and they think it's a good idea that can be applied to us. You know, we, we're constantly on a treadmill like hamsters on a wheel. We teachers, aren't we? And mm. it's it's it is just immersive. So you're right. The, the total number of hours you work, it's not true to the total number of hours that your brain's been working. Yeah, it, it, that makes us that we're trying. To yeah, that's 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 kind of what I'm trying to say, really. I mean, yeah, kind of, you know, all that uh, these. What I think what the general public don't understand is that uh, there's a lot of kind of behind the scenes thinking that goes into something. So although, yes, there's there's hours to actually do something, kind of to try and be creative. I mean, that's that's a skill, isn't it? I mean, like we, maybe we can talk about skills that we've, uh, um, you know, used during the week, all these different kind of skills that we pull on uh, just to try and get something to happen or to make something, you said, immersive, creative, uh, obviously, to make something work in the classroom, to give students a new experience, all these things need to come from somewhere, and they are, they're coming from this incredible uh, collective resource in a school, the hive the, mind. The hive mind. That's right. So it's almost like a kind of big, a big, big bubble. Um, I know it's been called like a um, a blob before, but it's the, imagine Ooh. imagine a very creative blob. Sorry, if that's too Ooh, controversial. We're not talking about Voldemort. <laughs> are we? We're not talking about the ex minister. No, no, we're not. We, we, we're keeping it light. <laughs> Keep it light, yeah. We're but but imagine, but it, I, I want to switch that and think about it as almost like this, as you said, like a huge brain uh, working as a collective kind of force. Um, you know, ultimately to serve up, serve us all. This is the next generation, isn't it? These are the people that we're teaching. They're the, the people who are going to solve uh, some of the problems that we have uh, in our futures. Um, so, you know, 
they, they come from teachers. It comes from this kind of collective uh, process of, of, of thought um, that we all have. It's that constant, isn't it? The, the constant problem solving, the constant, you know, I, I have my facts of the week. So he's, these are my facts of the week. Yeah, so for it. Yeah. 62 hours plus I work this week. I have inputted 1,800 pieces of data, um, behavior, synaptic data, skills checks data, competency data. So my, my, my spreadsheets are up to date. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm now up to date with every child and they're all color coded. Um, I have made uh, five phone calls to parents. Mm -hmm. I saw 29 parents at parents evening for five minutes each. I deleted 62 emails, which are completely <laughs> irrelevant. I, I, I've got into a habit now of just going, not even reading it, it's deleted, not even reading it, it's deleted, delete, 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 filter out. Yeah. Uh, I replied to and sent 13 emails. Um, four of them were whole school. I've taught 20 periods, four subjects, 397 children. <laughs> um, I had five meetings, including uh, two online meetings, and I gave out 67 positives, so positive points or positive recommendations, and unfortunately, four negative points mm. this week, um, which I don't like to, to give them out, but they, they were for students who had just gone way beyond my peel and I had to log their behavior. So that, that's kind of facts of my week. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's again, every behind every single piece of that is a story or a child or a parent or a colleague. And that's the thing. It's, it's that constant interaction, not just with the children, but with my colleagues, with other stakeholders yeah. that you, you never, you know, those emails were going out and being answered at eight o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock at night, phone calls made at five o'clock, parents evening went on to nearly 6.30. Um, you know, those some of those negatives were handed out during lunch break and, and, and dinner breaks. The union's stuff was done at lunchtime. So it's, it's that kind of constant mm. sort of like, like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. So I think we've kind of we've kind of been in the trade, as it were, for what twenty years? Do you think nearly maybe fifteen? Two decades. Eighteen. Two eighteen years. Decades. Yeah. Have you ever found a way of um, maybe we can do a bit of a self help thing? Have you found a way of actually doing this better? Have you ever found a way, or is it just a, we just got to accept that this is just the this is just the amount, and we just need to kind of get get through it or are, are there teachers and this would be great to hear from anybody that's listening today either through uh, twitter or through um contacting the show or calling in it'd be great to actually have some people to call in today but has anyone been able to kind of create a system that they go right this is what i'm doing because i've, I've tried the to-do list and i've just found them depressing because they just keep growing and i kind of just build up these uh, to-do lists as I've, I've gone or is there a way of kind of lock? Is there, is there a technological answer? Have people found a way to kind of think this is what I'm going to do today to make sure? Is is there a utopia out there? Is what I'm after? Is is there a way of really doing this so we don't kind of get absolutely shattered in a couple of weeks? And I just accepted that when teaching things change, and then you constantly have to evolve. You have mm. you have to constantly reinvent yourself, like mm. some sort of you know pop group. You have to be like you have to be like Madonna. You know what I mean? Eighties Madonna, nineties Madonna. You know, current Madonna. Oh yeah. my word! Yeah, you know, we, we have to be a constant sort of chameleon mm. of constantly changing and constantly evolving. Yeah. It, it is like that. Yeah. And the sooner as a new initiative come in, there is the kind of some some of it sticks and you, and you figure it out. 
but it's the constant struggle to make systems streamline. Mm. Uh, and you always, and that in itself takes time, doesn't it? You know, like, oh, there's a new way of doing things. Okay, let's figure that out. Mm. We saw that during COVID where we had to figure out how to do teams all of a sudden. That's right. And and, if, and I suppose one of the positives of it is, is that we teachers are not standing still. We have to constantly learn and evolve and come up with systems. It's kind of what we're asking the kids to do sometimes, mm. isn't it? Because you think about what they're learning is we have to constantly learn and evolve and come up with better ways of doing it. But you are right. Sometimes the things that really annoy us is when you can clearly see something is bureaucratic nonsense and you go, why are we doing this? And that's the thing that always, I'm, I'm terrible in meetings because I will be that person that puts the hand up and goes, ah, oh, come on, why are we doing it? Oh, we're doing it because we're told to do it. And I become the naughty school kid. Mm. I literally put myself into my naughtiest child going, sir, why are we studying this? And the thing about it, I think the most important thing I do in my lessons is we're studying this because the rationale. And I always explain the reason. And it's probably never got me promoted because it's probably always got me in the awkward category mm. of are we doing this to help the children? Are we doing this because why? And there's sometimes I have to say to my colleagues, we're not medical professionals. You know, we somebody's life is not on the line if i don't enter you know one piece of data you've got to get a bit of perspective at yeah. the end of the day what's the most important thing is those children sitting in front of us and the person teaching them is in a place to teach them so there's a little bit of that sometimes yeah. i think all of this other stuff gets in the way of the most crucial and critical thing we're there to do yeah. and that is to teach the children and, and i think it's got to be about balance yeah you have to do all those other things the bureaucratic stuff and you've got to make sure you're able to do what the modern teaching job is, but you still got to be able to stand in front of those children and deliver the best quality yeah. lessons. So, so, so we have that as the priority, obviously. You know, it's got to be. Yep. Yeah. So, I, mean, I always think kind of relationships the priority, right at the right at the front of everything. Having a great relationship with a group, individuals, all stakeholders is is you know always kind of puts you on the right foot. But do you think that some of those systems, if they were completely gone, would then um, have a negative impact on other things working in the school? I mean, I, I come from a kind of business background, business management background. You know, I have worked in the private sector, um, which I do recommend for anyone thinking about kind of joining the profession. I think having um, a different perspective uh, before joining the profession is could be kind of very important because you sometimes I do see um, this kind of lock-in sometimes of um, people who have only ever kind of worked in a school. Um, it would be nice to kind of get that experience outside before you join teaching, if, 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 that's, if that's possible for people. Uh, because yeah. actually what you do see sometimes is you can step outside of the, uh, what you just said about bureaucratic nonsense, mm. and actually think, well, actually... Um, um, those things are required for the whole organisation, um, for, for, for things to kind of be monitored and checked and have these kind of processes around it's quality it. quality assurance, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Now, it's important to note, because I have this kind of argument kind of regularly, that quality assurance, remember, is meant to be a, a culture of quality. Uh, whereas I think, unfortunately, for a lot of schools, they fall into what we call quality control which is kind of checking or actually kind of going in and actually flicking over individual pages of individual books. I see that as almost, I see that as quality control, not quality assurance. Um, if you can get, if you can get a good culture in a school, you look at quality, um, quality assurance, 
kind of allows a culture of well, everybody's ultimately going to uh, be going in the same direction of a of a certain a certain process. Um, and that's very difficult. I'm not kind of making light of that in any way. I, I understand that it's a difficult thing, especially with rotation of staff. And, uh, you know, as you said, the whole system has so many variables within it all the time mm-hmm. that it's not, it's not the same as uh, doing um, quality assurance on a production line um, or, or, or doing something like but that. I can't. This is the thing. I, I, I struggle with a lot of that mm. because... I'm a professional, I'm an academic, I know what I'm doing, I don't need micromanaged. Yeah. I don't need somebody who's read a book saying, oh, you don't know what you, I can well self-effacing, more than reflective and more than intelligent enough to, to be able to fix the things myself. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of the big brother sometimes kicks in and it makes, it's that what I think drives a lot of teachers crazy is that, you know, we know what we're doing. You've got to trust us. Mm. And, and it's literally that, that level of bureaucracy. And yes, you need quality assurance, but it can be so onerous and so intrusive that it can stifle creativity. Yeah. It can stifle somebody's ha- happiness and welfare because you can then take out the thing that makes them that good. And I've, I've struggled with that sometimes because I'm a bit free and loose. <laughs> I like my freedom. I don't like when somebody says, here's a script of how you teach children. Yeah. And, and I teach in a religious school, and I've often turned around and says, Jesus didn't stand up at the top of the Sermon of the Mount and says, okay, my lesson object of the day is to feed 5,000 people. I look at the great teachers in history. Socrates didn't have a lesson plan. You know, somebody didn't check Socrates is kind of like, check his notes. Good teachers know what they're doing instinctively mm. because they're good teachers. Yeah. It's when you often get them being double-checked, triple-checked, quadruple check that they start to doubt themselves and i've seen that happen yeah, yeah. where people get burnt out because they're put into this this these stifling systems which you know destroy their creativity destroy the thing they love the most which is the freedom and, and equally you should be allowed to make mistakes within our profession yeah. because that's the whole point of it you know we, we, we encourage the children to make mistakes but it has become but like high, high stakes culture you, you know you, it's important that we get it right with the children but part of it is, is you have to sometimes take risks, take yeah. chances. It doesn't work out. Then you reflect on it and you fix it. But that's up to you to do that rather than, and I think there's some, some, some trusts are different from others. Mm. I think within teaching now, there doesn't seem to be a standard between one place or another. What culture there is in one school doesn't seem to prevail in others. Yeah. So that's what you have. You have a very complicated situation where you're, you're seeing some people who are able to cope with some systems. And maybe that's why some staff move around quite a bit to mm. find that school yeah. and find that trust and to find that place where they fit so that they're able to then say, oh, I, I like the culture here. Because yeah. some people don't mind being micromanaged. Some people mm. don't mind yeah, yeah. being told what to do. I could think of nothing else worse than be told what to do. It's just not in my DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I, I don't like to be sort of like told what to do. I prefer that somebody gives me suggestions and said, "Here's the things we'd like you to do, mm. and these are the things we think you should do," and leave it up to me, and then let me have a go, and then come back to them later on and go, "Actually, you know what? That suggestion you yeah. made to me that was a really good idea." Yeah. And I think sometimes it's about how it's phrased, isn't it? It's how it's how it's phrased and how it's coaxed in, mm. because I don't do sixty plus hour weeks because I'm forced to because somebody is bureaucratically shackling me. Yeah. I do them 
because I tend to enjoy, and that was a good, it was a hard week last week, mm. but I got more out of last week than, it, than I got negatively. But I've had to work hard at somehow overriding those horrible negative things like, what, 1,800 pieces of data? Wow, that really enthused me. I really couldn't wait to get those done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not what I came in to be teaching to no. be doing, is inputting Just to flip it, because we've both got uh, children in school. Uh, mine, is, mine is slightly older than yours, Brent. Uh, I know as a parent, if the, if the data we get sent home is as accurate as it can be, it can really help us as parents um, you know, develop our own children as well at home. Um, so I'm not completely against data because I think, yeah, so as a parent kind of getting that feedback from the school, um, as long as it's done in a way that we can understand and we can process, um, has been very helpful. Uh, for example, my youngest daughter, you know, we were able to use that data to support her with her reading and spelling and that type of thing. Once we got that kind of accurate data from, from her school. So it can be, it can be a very positive thing. Um, to be sent that data um, and again it's probably about relationships as well being able to have a quick communication uh, with parents uh, with sorry we have teachers sending messages home to parents and again it's a bit like how we how we talk to the pupils if we can give them feedback as soon as possible almost oh. in, in a small sense yeah. and they can they can develop that very very quickly on a on a kind of almost like on a chunked level yeah. um it has it has massive massive benefits i guess the difficulty is is the it's, it's a quantity isn't it, 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 it it's, it's quantity so um yeah. i mean i mean i'm i'm fortunate at the minute where you know i have um you know classes you know, that are kind of around, average around kind of 20 students. Um, but I have done before, like you've done, the 35 year sevens where I've had five <laughs> five lessons of year seven a week. And that's the, I think that's when it becomes uh, challenging uh, to have that personal response uh, to, a, to a pupil when you've just got an absolute kind of massive data drop uh, to do. Um, 397 so, yeah. children. So, so, you, so you, I guess you, to, to try and work, to try and do that, um, you try and find, I guess, um, you know, workarounds, don't you? Well, and, 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 that, and, that, and that's when some of that quality of what it's intended to do kind of, uh, goes. I it, think, it does because yeah. out of exhaustion. I, mean, yeah. I, have, I have 397 children. And inside those 297 children, they're all unique. Yeah. And I have children with, with extreme difficulties. I have children with all sorts of issues. And I have to know not only their data, I have to know their what works for one. I, I'll put it like this. Jürgen Klopp manages yeah. a team of 22, 23, a squad of 25 players. And he'll know maybe 15 or 16 yeah. young lads. Yeah. And he knows all about them. And he knows the different techniques. He knows to train one player one way and train another. Imagine Jurgen Klopp at a team of 397 <laughs> Yeah. This is what you're up against. Yeah. And they all have different needs and they all have come from different backgrounds and, and they all have you know different strengths and weaknesses. And and you've got to find a way to get the best out of those 397 children across four different subjects. And you only see them, some of them, once or twice a week. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal when you consider, you know, 
that some of, of as you say, the classroom teachers that teach the 30 children, 30 children, 32 children. Mm. And what really worries me is, is, is that I do get to know and I've got a brilliant relationship with the children. And, and, and that's why I've stayed at the school I'm at, because it is a smaller school. But at being a smaller school, you end up doing multiple roles because there just isn't the people to, to fill those other roles. You end up being a jack of all trades. So an example this week is for the first time I taught physics. <laughs> now, I have not studied physics until 1994. So I'm just glad that Newton, Ohm and gravity still do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, I was in big trouble. But I was asked because, and again, it's that, you know, would you do us a favour? You know, you, you're, you're a geographer by background trade, even though I'm ahead of history now. I'm teaching some English to key stage three. And, and now, because of the fact we can't get scientists, I'm teaching some science. And I was apprehensive. I was nervous because I'm going in and I haven't done something before. And I literally looked at the kids and they realized, actually, what am I talking about? I know these children. I taught these children in year seven. I taught some in year eight. I taught some in year nine. And my high of the week, my funny part of the week was one of the, one of the boys just looked at me and went, sir, you're my physics teacher. You what? And I went, what was the last thing I taught you? you? You taught me Hitler in year nine, sir. And I'm like, so this kid's going from me teaching him about Hitler in year nine to me teaching him about electrical resistance. And he must be thinking, what, what's going on here? But then he looks at me and goes, he knows what he's going to get. He knows he's going to get the same type of, of, of behavior, mm -hmm. same person. So the relationship is there. And as he started the lesson, that he, he turned around and, and uh, I says, where's your exercise book? And he goes, my exercise books are home. And East Midlands people drop the H. I, I know it's not that I'm ever going to criticize people for accents or anything like, you know, not that I have a leg to stand on, you know, fill them and full them and all that. Hey, hey. But here's how it goes. This, this kid, the first thing he says to me is, I haven't got my book. It's at Ohm's, sir. And what was the lesson on? My first ever physics lesson was Ohm's Law. So, of course, <laughs> that joke 101, yeah. I ran with that. I absolutely ran with that. and went, you know, oh, we're doing Ohm's Law today. He went, Home, oh, Ohm's law. I'm like, no, Ohm's law. And then we had that almost like, um, what do you call that? Uh, the, the Who band joke, you know, the Who, the Who, Who yeah, band yeah. joke. And literally back and forth for like 30 <laughs> seconds until some of the other kids caught on because on the board was Ohm's law. They got it. And, and they, they finally got <laughs> it. And then you realize the ice was broken. I was less nervous. And something I'd never taught before, as I started off, I was absolutely petrified. And it's not normal mm. for me because I normally chuck me in. But even I got sort of like, oh, my gosh, I'm out of, out of my comfort zone. What happens if the kids find me out? I felt like an NQT yeah, all wow. over again yeah. because it was like, you know, I might have that nervousness about, oh, gosh, I'm out of my comfort zone. But then afterwards, I realized that's what we have to do all mm. the time. We have to get out of comfort zones. We're chucked in the deep end. And sometimes you just got to go and run with it. And for some people... That's difficult within teaching, but they find a way, and that, that's what we pass on. And it turned out to be a good lesson. And, and in the end, they, they, one, of the, one of the children sort of left me like, sir, but how often have we got you? Only once every two weeks. Oh, okay. I was looking, going, oh, did like, did like more of my physics lab. And that was me. I felt like I felt like a million quid that yeah. somehow out of nowhere from 1994's physics I was taught by Mr. Savage. Thank you, Mr. Savage, if you're listening was also my judo instructor. <laughs> I never realized that a judo instructor could be a physics teacher, yeah. but then when you're talking about forces and pivoting, yeah. probably was onto something. But that's the thing. And I felt absolutely brilliant. And when I go home that, that night and my wife asked me, how did your day go? I went, I taught physics today. And I was like a kid in a sweet, you know, a sweet cookie jar. I go, I've done it. I taught physics today. And I felt so good about myself because I'd literally done something I'd never done before. And I actually got away with it. 
and realised I felt a bit stupid about myself going, why did you doubt yourself? Come on, you know this. But that's what we do, don't we? We're, we're always sometimes chucked in and we have to make the best of it. And maybe another person wouldn't have said yes to that. And maybe other people would have. And, and, and again, when I, when I said to the physics teacher, she was like, oh, you'd be fine, you'd be fine. But then I, I had to look at her and go, I've not done this since 1994. And she kept saying, I'll be fine. And I had to sort of think, do I admit to her that I'm going to struggle when I see equations written and my algebra is a little fuzzy, you know, because numbers and letters to me, numbers mm. go one way, letters <laughs> go the other. I always get a bit fuzzy when numbers and letters go together. I'm sorry if you're a mathematician. I know it's natural to you, but it doesn't come natural to me. But that's the thing. And this yeah. week I was tasked with doing something completely out of the ordinary and I somehow got through it. And that's what we've been doing for since soccer teams, yeah. basically, as teachers. So, so in terms of um, teaching outside of your qualified range, um does that in does that does that increase the workload oh yeah for, for you because you are now planning something that you haven't got to kind of a go to have you haven't got a cupboard in your head that goes let's go to the let's go to the let's go to the physics cupboard true the planning's yeah. done for me but here's the thing mm. i prefer to do the planning myself because mm. in doing and that's something i've taught student teachers yeah. is that if you you know you're borrowing somebody else's plans yeah they know what they're talking about that's like trying to read somebody else's script yeah doesn't doesn't always work, is it? No. So it's it's always good. It's always a good sign when I have like an NQT or a younger teacher yeah. and I say, there's my scheme of work. And they go off and they want to adapt it. And I'm yeah. always, you go off and you adapt it. Because mm -hmm. in doing it, it's a bit like the same as the children. If we, we say to the children, you know, here's my lesson notes, mm. take my lesson notes. But I'd rather they generate their own because that goes into their That's memory right, more. Yeah. They know yeah. that gets the fluidity. Well, it's processing, isn't it? Isn't but it? it goes back to our original point. Mm. That took time that took brain space yeah a little part of my brain was i'm gonna have to teach physics yeah, a little part of my away, brain was ticking away, away yeah. like a little time bomb going i'm nervous about this and it was at the back of my mind oh my am i going to get away with this but then a part of me is also going who's put me in this why 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 me and then you realize of course why me because i didn't say no because mm. sure i'm the type of guy that'll go oh yeah chuck me in at the deep end so it's a compliment in a way and, and the person who, who put me on the timetable says oh you'll be fine and I felt like saying to her, "That's the, stop saying I'll be fine. You know, I am I am not an exhaustible resource. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop it. You know, yeah. I will break if you will. You know I mean, how far can we go with this? Teach mm. me diddlywinks or something. But that's the thing. You know, some, you often find this with some teachers. There's certain teachers who just get used a lot because they do put the heart and soul into it. And I think sometimes senior management, take, I think, take advantage of those good-natured teachers. Maybe some of our younger professionals are a bit like that. They're keen, they're enthusiastic, they're energetic. And there's, you know, I do think they get taken advantage of for their intrinsic motivation because they cannot feel like saying no. I don't know why, I just don't always like to say no. I'm, I'm a yes person, you know, chuck me in, I'll do it. Oh, can you do us a favor? There's the mortal words, can you do us a favor? I am terrible at saying no to somebody. If somebody comes to me, knocks on the door and says, can I take 10 minutes of your time? I have my data to do, and then I turn around and go, no, I would, I would have rather have that 10 minute conversation and do the data. Other people would say, sorry, I'm busy, I've got, and then close the door. But I think within, I think as a teacher, I think you benefit more from having those conversations, but I can't blame other people for self-protecting. And I read a good article about that called Quietly Quitting. Mm. I think there's a good show on that sometime we might want to do yeah, about definitely. this idea of quietly quitting that people are just saying, you know, or a colleague of mine turned around recently in, in, in light of the strikes was saying, work to rule. 
and quietly quitting. And, and, and I, I don't like that because our profession relies upon the intrinsic motivation and goodwill yeah. and reciprocity. You know, you have to have appropriate relationships. Yeah. You have to say to somebody, give and take, if you do this for me, can I have something else in return? Mm. And I think good schools are when people are not taken advantage of if they are givers. And I think within education, you have far too many givers sometimes, and then there are the takers. Yeah. I think you've got to get the balance right between those that don't get exhausted because they just don't know how to say no yeah. versus those that basically do their job yeah. and leave at 350. And I don't have any problem with that, but it's not fair sometimes, and the person putting into the system doesn't always get it back. Yeah. I think they get it back from the children. I think you said with relationship, I think you always get it back That's right. from the children. Yeah. And I think your career is probably sustained more. So I take the high of my week. One of the highs of my week um, was uh, my wife had a promotion at work. She says, right, you're, you're, you're exhausted. We're all exhausted this mm -hmm. week. It's been a heavy week. Uh, we're going to go down and book the hotel. Uh, I won't mention the resort, a certain resort in the East Midlands. And we're having a night down there. And then we're going to go and have a, a day in a theme park. And as I was down in the theme park, I bumped into a, a friend of mine who I play football on a Friday night with. It was like, why, why would you football on Friday night? Because I'm down here. Oh, brilliant, fantastic. <laughs> and 10 minutes later, I bumped into an ex-pupil who just walked over, didn't recognize him, walked over and just gave me a hug. In the middle, of, and I'm like, who's this? And I looked at them, looked at him again and went, ah, Jordan, hadn't taught this kid in 12 years. Told me about, you know, how well he's been going. He's doing um, a degree in, um, uh, the marine biology and now works in a, in, in, in a theme park do, taking care of all the aquatic animals in the aquarium mm. and it was if you, if you want free next time you come down let me know I'll get you free tickets and this kid has turned out to be absolutely magnificent and as I'm walking away my actress turns around and goes this is so typical of you you're not even from this country and everywhere you go we bump into people that know you and I'm like yeah because I've taught two and a half thousand children down yeah. the years yeah. across you know two different subjects mostly and I never once have I met a child that's ever turned around and says you and pointed the finger. They've always come back, usually apologetic and went, I'm really sorry for how badly behaved it was. Mm. Because that's because I work really hard to build those relationships. Yeah, yeah. It is exhausting. exhausting. Just, just, just in terms of maths, and according to uh, School Week, um, one in four work over 60 hours a week. Um, that would be 480 hours a term, Whoa. a half term. I got that right. A yeah, half term. That would be um, one thousand nine hundred twenty hours for the year. Is that right? I think that's right. If, if, if anyone can correct me on this, I think I think I've, think I've kind of got that right. Um, is that sustainable? For some people, it's not. It's not. Yeah, because it puts a strain on relationships. Mm -hmm. If you've got your marriage, children. Uh, I mean, I feel constantly guilty as a teacher sometimes, constantly guilty that I'm not spending enough time with my own children, constantly guilty that the relationships and friendships I have, I put a lot into teaching, where is the rest for me? And it's part of my own fault because it's what we do. Yeah, I want it? to be a teacher. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately... I often think this is that I have an interest in this subject. Yeah. So um, we're slaves to it, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. But and I kind of, yeah, and I kind of, kind of, um, it's, it's my drive. It's the it's the thing that motivates me. You know, e even though like yesterday I had a day off, kids were at say kind of drama group, 
um, wife was was away. It was kind of me time, so I go to the gym, but I'm still listening to a podcast. And I'm still listening to the content of the course, and mid 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 kind of podcast, I'm thinking, oh great, they've said something about this that can that can that can say on Tuesday. So then it's like a little note to myself, you know, and all all that's going on all the time. So that sixty hours is sixty hours of of doing, of actually doing stuff. But again, as, as I as I said earlier, it's those little bits kind of in between that kind of add to that. So maybe we're adding kind of another, you know, five or so hours in terms of just us being interested in stuff. And we can't, I, I can't stop that. No. You know, um, I did um, um, take some time out a couple of years ago. You know, and the 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 school that was at the time offered um, some sessions um, with um, uh, with counsellors and that type of thing. So I thought it was a good opportunity to kind of uh, you know um, have this kind of experience. And one of the things that I talked about is there a possibility of me ever being able to kind of switch off. Yeah. And actually, what we just as as in the discussion we had there, um, actually, I don't want to. That's part of who I am. Yeah. That's part of me. So if I stop doing that, that's part of me gone to carry on being a fashion, which which I decided is not something I was going to do. So therefore, I needed to look at a you know a new job that was maybe just a bit more focused. Yeah. So my focus, and we'll talk about this in a minute about the, maybe the spread of a teacher over different yeah. subjects. My decision was is that is that if I can. And so far, I have been very fortunate, and I'd like to, you know, praise the the management of the school amount at the minute for kind of really seeing this. Is that if you can kind of really focus on one sub one subject, uh, even to a point of really, if you've got a good enough team, kind of dividing stuff up into expertise slots. The so business studies, for example, has you know. Um, in marketing, human resources, and different people be able to bring different things to those plates. You know, I happen to be better at kind of international business yeah. and that type of thing, or not better, but I'm more intrinsically motivated to kind of, um, you know, do the research and do all those kind of interesting points that go into that. So I can bring them, you know, more naturally. So it's, to, it's, you know, it's naturally round to page and round whole square page. That's right. That's the right. But that is, you taking your funding cuts. And you take what's come got come, come down the line. Yeah, we're just going to have bodies at the moment, and and now we're so desperate in yeah. some places. People don't get to choose. People don't get absolutely. To, yeah, people absolutely. don't get to sort of like, and you see the amount of people now going into supply teaching. Yeah, because they still get to, to go into schools. They still get the idea of going into schools, but they don't get all the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah. Because that's what's killing a lot of people is the bureaucracy, the Ofsted fear. The accountability, the data entry, all this other stuff that gets in the way. And, and you know that. You speak to a lot of teachers. Put them inside the classroom. They come alive. That's what killed us yeah, yeah. during remote teaching in COVID. I absolutely hated it. Hmm. I'm an actor. I want my stage. My <laughs> stage is my classroom. Yeah. What good of an actor would I be if I wasn't on stage or in theatre? Yeah. That's, that's what we are as teachers. And that's the problem is the workload needs to be managed and a lot of it is offset driven. A lot of it is 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 micromanaging. A lot of it is quality quality checks, as mm. we said. And if they removed a lot of that, then I think you'd have a happier workforce, healthier workforce. You'd have the people who would want to give more hours in. Mm. But the problem is, is when you don't have the buy-in, people have to buy into it. 
people have to buy into it. People have to sort of willingly, intrinsically motivate towards it. Because it's not as if these days we're in it for the money. Because yeah, look, yeah. look at the money. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and, and I'd often be worried that if people joined the teaching profession because they wanted to earn money, that maybe, unfortunately, I don't think that's the profession they should be in because they've got to be vocational. Also, somebody said to me, our job is vocational, not vacational. You know, we are, we are people that give. But I think the balance has gone too far. I think our good nature has been used against us far too long. Mm. And too many good people have decided that they leave profession, not because they're not capable any longer, I think for their own mental health, because yeah. they want to get off this. They want their brain space. Yeah. And I felt that in my career a couple of times where, you know, I had, you know, do I go down four, four days a week, mm. three days a week? I mean, I've got a colleague of mine who's teaching now as a normal teacher, who was a head teacher. Because he just had enough. Yeah. And he's, you know, I says, why have you done that? Says, I'm just happier. I enjoy teaching. Go back to where he started. Yeah. And um, he seems a lot more content. Yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of where I was, just to kind of row back a bit and get to the points of the bits that I really, really want to do. Not that I didn't like doing the other things, but there was just too, it was just too much. It was just the quantity of, 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 of stuff all the time. Um, so just mentioned just pay quickly there. Um because I did hear a colleague kind of say this the other day, so I thought I thought it was quite interesting. Kind of um, um, about um, on the on the the average salary, the average teacher salary is thirty one thousand. Um, so that gets the average around kind of thirty pound an hour if you talk about those hours. However, as I'm sure, yeah, we're all we're all in agreement. There's lots of um, colleagues that earn a lot less than that. So actually, someone was saying that. Um, I could actually earn the same at um, Marks and Spencers. Yeah, which seems crazy, isn't it? Not on the day I'm not, not criticising Marks and Spencers, um, but you, but just to work on the shop floor at Marks yeah. and Spencers, um, and they're actually generally considering that uh, as an option. Or Eld, I mean, Eld is a classic, isn't it? That yeah. that, that, that they they pay slight, slightly above um, the the average um, hourly wage. Um, not not to ever think about this as earning money for an hour. Um, but it, but it is is something that is in people on people's radars as maybe maybe I need to do this uh, maybe this th- maybe I'm not so intrinsically motivated anymore to kind of do this so therefore the external yeah. motivator of pay kind of kicks in um, but you know as we've said like 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 we need like we need students in the classroom. Um, a talk radio station really needs people to call in, contact in call as well. In, so contact us yeah. and, and and feedback as well. What we'll do now is we'll, we'll go to the news. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to say, of course, um, if you are interested in being a host as well and doing as we're doing, um, please contact us. Teachers Talk Radio is a diverse bunch of individuals across the teaching profession and education sector who obviously have an intrinsic motivation towards <laughs> talking about education. Yeah. Um, you can also listen back to some of the fantastic shows. Uh, we've had a busy schedule on Sunday, and we've got a couple of shows coming up this afternoon as well. So you can catch us on, on uh, any of your Twitter spaces on your pod beam, and, and certainly you can listen back to any of these shows, download, keep, and also share. And also, I'd like to say, please call in, tune in, and talk it out. We'll go to our news now. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, 
the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Scotsman reports on strike action by Scottish teachers planned to take place in the coming weeks. Scottish Education Secretary Shirley Ann Somerville has said there is no separate pot of money to fund an improved pay deal for school staff and that any improved pay offer would involve diverting cash from other areas. Strike action was announced after recent ballots and will be the first such action for almost 40 years. School staff are due to strike on November the 24th after members of Scotland's largest teaching union overwhelmingly voted in favour of the industrial action. The EIS union said 96% of its members backed the action via a ballot, which saw a turnout of 71%. The most recent offer of a 5% pay rise was rejected three months ago. Ms Somerville told the Scotsman that she was absolutely determined to try to reward staff with a pay rise closer to the 10% being sought by unions but warned it would lead to difficult decisions in other areas. In Wales, school children have been given the green light to support their national team in the group game against Iran. The Welsh Government has agreed to let schools decide how to manage the timetables during the game, which kicks off at 10am on Friday the 25th of November. The team is in the nation's first World Cup for 64 years. The FA of Wales has organised a football Friday for the day of the Iran game. Around 1,100 schools throughout the country are preparing for a full day of football activity. The Welsh FA has created packs including bunting, footballs, flags and posters to mark the event. Skills sessions, inter-school matches and football festivals are also planned for either side of the Iran game. Pupils in both primary and secondary schools are planning to take part in the events. FE Week focuses on the efforts of colleges across the country that have been instrumental in helping refugees from the war in Ukraine build a home away from home in the UK. Since the war began, around 7 million citizens of Ukraine have left their homes and almost 150,000 have found sanctuary in the UK. The country's colleges have dedicated their efforts to laying on ESOL courses to help refugees master English as well as other learning opportunities designed to help Ukrainians settle in. Whilst numbers vary from area to area, some colleges have signed more than 100 Ukrainian students onto courses. And not just for ESOL. 
at least 1,200 students are on A-level or other post-GCSE courses. But it's not just about teaching English. College staff have also worked to provide other practical support, such as free bus passes, lunch vouchers and loaned laptops. The full story can be found on the FE Week website. Finally, a new resource for secondary school age pupils has been launched to encourage young people to consider a career in the veterinary professions. The British Veterinary Association has endorsed the Vet Team in a Box resource, produced by University of Liverpool. The resource is designed in line with the Key Stage 3 National Curriculum and helps students participate in scenarios which aim to demystify the veterinary professions and remove perceived barriers to joining. The resource will be available later this month. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week let's talk gadgets and tech that helps us teach, but also might be something to hint at for a gift in the near future. Before I start, I'd like to define tech as anything that's been made that makes a difference to how we interact with the world. Usually, for the better. A pencil or scissors, for example, are classed as tech in my definition. That being said, let's look at what a few internet searches have brought up as must-have tech for teachers. Mini whiteboards, a favourite of Nathan Ginn, have got to be super useful. Things to watch though is pens running out, do you also need a cloth or a board rubber, and primary teachers don't let the kids keep them in the trays with the books, they make them look messy and get ink all over them. Interactive screens, are you team interactive or could you have had a big TV and spent the rest on other things? I love interactivity but my subject lends itself to it. Are you simply presenting on an overpriced screen? Things to check out are open source interactive software that's compatible with different devices. Sometimes you can be locked in by software. Having something you can use on almost any board might be for you, especially if your school has a mixed estate of kit and as it's open source, it will be free. The presentation clicker is a classic. Things to watch for is losing it, leaving the USB dongle behind and also ensuring you don't use the built-in class three laser to blind the class. Does anyone really use a laser pointer? A webcam, a topic I've discussed in the past, a decent webcam nowadays doesn't need to be expensive and can do as much as a visualizer. Think purpose and audience, then think desk space and the number of cables needed. What about simpler gadgets? Feedback stamps. With these, I'd just be certain the way feedback is given isn't going to change before you buy them to get value for money from the stamp. Ninja pens. Is it a ruler? Is it a pen? No, it's a spirit level and also a flat and cross-headed screwdriver. It looks cool, but if you get a cheap one, don't expect to be able to unscrew anything unless what you're unscrewing is made from cheese. As always, I'd love to hear about your favourite teaching tech. Let us know at TT Radio 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So, uh... Welcome back to this Teachers Talk Radio Sunday Lunch Hour with me, Brent Poland, and my partner in crime, Adam Spence. And today we'll be talking about the average workload and the average week and the average day of an average teacher, which is a weird way of putting it because there is no such thing as an average teacher. But um, even between the two of us, we, we discovered, you know, we've got, we did something similar in the amount of hours, but we actually have done lots of different things this week. So... Uh, I'll just take you through very quickly a kind of rundown of each day, the kind of average things that a teacher did. I kind of just got into a habit of noting down 
um, all the different things like arriving to school at eight, eight o'clock. I know some people arrive at half eight, some people arrive at seven. I tend to like to come in late and I tend to stay a little bit later, uh, usually because I have to run my children to school, which again, you do find um, car parking is quite stressful sometimes. It's not as if we have our own car parking spot. So sometimes I have to, uh, to jockey for a, a car parking spot if I arrive a little late. Um, I start actually on a Monday, which is really good, by doing a reflection period for the children who are in our what's called the social inclusion room. So children who have been a bit naughty. Um, I normally take a couple of books to mark in there, but I decided to delete lots of emails, do some marking and then put some data during that. And in fact, I did spend about half that reflection time having a conversation with one of the students about where they're going wrong. So again, even when I had an hour there really to do admin, I couldn't resist myself because I do teach this child and I just wanted to find out where things are going wrong. I thought it was a really good good chance to have just a general chat with the child, um, which I think was more valuable than anything else. Um, the rest of the day I had uh, GCSE History, Spanish Armada, I had PSHE, which is Pastoral Health and Social Care, and I was doing a bit cyberbullying which is really interesting. So you go from like the Spanish Armada one period to the cyberbullying in the next period, which is really interesting, you know, especially with my year eight. So I've got a year eight tutor group and and trying to get them to stop being cyber bullies or being involved. And I know very well there are some children there I've had to have conversations with about um, what they're doing in their online activities. So I did say to them over and over again about the block facility and the delete facility. And it was you know quite shocking how little they knew about cyberbullying. Um, but that was interesting. Uh, we had a fire alarm at period five that was set off. So that was my year 11 class disrupted. That was all about naval warfare in the 7th, 16th century. And somebody decided to put some links into the uh, fire alarm down the PE corridor, which seems to be a thing these days. So that was that was fun having a, an impromptu fire drill in the afternoons that ruined my year eleven lesson. So, uh, so sorry, it's one of the one of the funniest things happened to us the um, about a year ago when our um, the, the the break the break glass what's it called is it called the the, what's it, the fire the fire the fire the, 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 bre- the, the fire alarm yeah the break glass we we have one that's always right next to the button that opens the door to come out <laughs> and it's and like, I could I could see the kind of the, the girl leaving. And then she kind of, she pressed it and the, the, the horror on her face, I she did it. But because it's like a two-story building and there's the students in the basement as well, we have like a basement so classroom for cadets. We do all have to then leave the building. Um, and she and she, she knew it as she'd done it and put a poor face as she pressed it. I'm, I'm surprised it broke so easily, actually. I mean, I've never... They are very easy yeah, to break. I've, yeah. I've never broke one. Have you ever broke one? I'm staying quiet. <laughs> I the the rebellious Brent at school. I didn't, as I say, have the easiest of childhoods. <laughs> okay. um, so, yes, I, I, I'm going to stay quiet and plead the Fifth Amendment. On that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did my photocopied for the week. Yep. So, sat the, without nobody being there, that's what I tend to do so I can get the photocopier done. Um, I also tried to produce a timetable. This, this, is, this is something that I need to do next week that I didn't get to do this week. I had to produce a timetable because I was I'm planning to get three year groups out on Thursday and Friday to plant 420 trees. That's good. So I have from the Great Canopy, Green Canopy Project, which was there, the Majesty of the Queen's um, idea with David Attenborough. Um, if you've got, you still actually do it. 
um, they will give you free free trees to plant on grounds or anywhere. Yeah. And, and but the only problem is they come in large batches. That was part of her jubilee. That was part of her jubilee. Yeah, that's right. And um, and me being the eco guy that I am, just went to the head teacher. Can we, you know, anywhere you want to put four hundred twenty trees? He's like, yeah, yeah, we've got lots of flooding down there. What transpires is I did a timetable, and then on the Friday, Monday afternoon, decided to walk down mm. to where we were going to plant them, and realised there was no point to that timetable because where I was going to plant them was flooded already, <laughs> which actually is contradictory to the yeah. side of the fact I need to plant the trees to stop the flooding, yeah. but I can't plant the trees at the moment because it's currently flooded. The irony is palpable. So um, yeah. that's a little job I have to do next week. That, that's one of those things, isn't it, that uh, you think you get really excited about, and this is what I'm going to do this week. Yep. And then you realise <laughs> a couple of hours into the planning of it, and there's kind of... because. I guess in most jobs, that would be the job for a bit, wouldn't it? If you oh, if you're, if yeah. you're a project managing doing that, you, you'd manage that for a week, two weeks or whatever, that'd be your job. But you're shoehorning that into these things that you're talking about. I'm a history teacher and somehow yeah. now I'm a groundskeeper. <laughs> don't get me wrong, our, our, our grounds team are fantastic and, and, and they, yeah. they they and I will do this. We're talking about getting strimmers out and ploughs out. And the time I had finished, I was having it, it was like it was going to be like a full-blown construction site when all it's probably needed is a couple of stakes in the ground <laughs> and a couple of shovels. But me being me, I was like, oh, okay, we'll put them there. I had this grand vision, but I just need to get the kids out and, and start planting them. Yeah. But they're sitting in a dark, cool place at the moment, waiting to be planted. And the last thing I want to do is to have those 420 beautiful trees. Yeah. And, and, and again, a nice idea of every child plants in the year, plants, plants yeah, the tree it. and gives it a name. And then they've done their little bit of environment. But again, it's that brain space of outside my box. Right, this yeah. is something completely outside my 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 skill set. But I come to school and I'm 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 thinking about where I'm going to plant four twenty trees. And my teacher's brilliant. He's like, yeah. whatever you need, you just go plant them down there somewhere. And he's yeah. like, because his brain space is probably filled up with fifty thousand things. And mm. the last thing in his mind is where is Brent going to put his four hundred twenty? He just wants to come along and say. That time now we planted four hundred twenty trees. Who did that? Yeah, yeah that guy there did. Because that. that's the, that's all part of it, yeah. isn't it? And you work, we work together, and I need to co-opt people into being mm. enthusiastic about borrowing their, yeah. their kids for a period. Going, would you would you like not to be teaching yeah. cooking today? So I had a couple of teachers who volunteered, but I needed to go back to them and say, look, the current conditions aren't there, and we won't have the prep done in time. We'll get to it in the next week yeah, or two. Yeah. So, but that was something that again. We, we, I wish I had a, a buzzer every time you kind of mention a different skill. So you oh. talk about uh, you know co-opting different members of staff, Persuasion. cooperation, you know negotiation, uh, you compromise, know, project management, compromise. You know the, these are things. I mean, sometimes you do speak groveling. You do speak to teachers, and they're kind of a especially older teacher thinking um, you know that they, they stay in the profession because they don't think they've got any transferable skills. But how valuable are all those? Lots of lots of organisations all the time. Um, so again, I think. You know, if you sat there on the Sunday thinking, "Crikey, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, what, what do I do?" Well, just look at all these kind of fantastic things that you do all the time. And going through this process, maybe write it down now as you're at home. Get a little notepad and just think about all these different uh, things that you balance during the day, and uh, you'll feel great going into the next week. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. So that was Monday. I, yeah. I left left school at six, went home, and did two more hours of data entry. Woohoo! Data entry! <laughs> so, yeah, we love data entry. Uh, came to school at 8.25, was pushing it on Tuesday. I left at 6, so again, same time. Had to do a group, 
did my science lesson for the first time. And it's interesting, I did science physics in an RE humanities teaching block. So you have an unspecialist historian teaching science in an RE room. Gotta love it. Gotta love the ability to do that. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I love the juxtaposition science and religion as well. <laughs> oh, well, you know, they're always trying to search for the higher power. You know, don't give me, don't, don't give me on the Star Trek and Star Wars. I love my Star Trek and my Star Wars, yeah. you know. Um, and again, you know, then I was back to history doing some year eights and back to year nine history doing some Treaty of Versailles and some Elizabeth and back to my uh, GCSE. So I had history uh, three lessons in a row, which is great, yeah. uh, but two, in two different rooms. So I had to float around different rooms. So I've got my own room from most of my lessons, but I do use other rooms as well. Yeah. And I always find that quite quite hard because you're, you're going into a room and kids are already there and you haven't got your resources and you've got to really think about what books do I need? And that's what we had mm. that during COVID, yeah. which is really, again, you know, people don't realize that some teachers don't always have their own room and their own teaching space and some do. And in some schools they have, you know, they're almost hot desking, aren't they? Mm. And I cut it's really difficult at the moment. You know, it's really difficult when you're having to go into different rooms for different subjects and carry everything with you. And of course the child will go, Have you got a pen, sir? And you're thinking, I don't know where the pens <laughs> are in this. Sir, have you got this? And you go, I don't know. I, yeah. it really catches you off guard, doesn't it, when you don't know the layout. Yes, I mean it's it's crazy sometimes. Like you've you've actually worked in the same school for twenty years, but there's some classrooms you've never ever been in. And then you're always thinking What's going on here? Where is where is the cupboard? Where is the drawer? Where is the stuff? I mean, that really just throw you off, actually. But the kids look at you, and they use this room all the time. Yeah, and they're yeah. looking at you going like, where's my book? And you're going, where is my book? I don't know. <laughs> and I know I have a system where the kids put their book. I take their books back, and I put it in one place in my classroom, and it's clearly labeled. There is a place for every... I even color code year, year seven, year eight, and year nine. Yeah. Red, purple, yellow. So even got a colour-coded system, and there'll still be one child that puts his book in the wrong place. And I'll pick up the pile of books, mm. take them to the lesson, and there is always one going, I've not got my books, sir. Mm. And I'm like, right, check your bag. Oh, it's in my bag. And I'm like, oh, for <laughs> God's yeah. And they look at you as if, like, your book is the most important thing to mm. me, which is probably like my head teacher, but those trees going, do you think the 423 is the most important thing? We're in the middle of a cost of living crisis, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get your t- put the trees and plant them down there. I budget them. And it's again like the child, the child turns around to me and is like, where's my books, sir? And I'm like, why? Yeah, yeah. I teach 397 yeah. children. I You're- can do with your help here to I- find the book. Take control of your own book. <laughs> yeah. And it gets like that. All I ask you to do is get to the room and get a book out. Yeah. 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 Think yeah. about what I've had to do in it's, that time. Exactly, yeah. but you don't because then it's kind of, you have to have systems and routines and mm. systems and routines. And sometimes when you're out of, you're out of kilter a little bit, and it happens in the life of a normal teacher where they're in, in familiar rooms or they're thrown into an unfamiliar situation. And then a child who just ice, ice skates uphill or paddles a canoe in a circle, you know, using one paddle. You, you're, you're like, help us. I mean, it's that scene from Jerry Maguire, you know, when, when he breaks down and, and, and he's going to, to cover Golding Jr. Help me help you. Help me to help you. And you feel like that sometimes as a teacher with the children going, I am not in my classroom. I don't know where the resources are. I'll try and find out. And you, and it's really, really tricky. So, so that, that was a bit of a, a head spinner, having a couple of different rooms and multiple different subjects. Uh, after school, rang a couple of parents, emailed all staff about union matters, booking um, staff for a chat on Wednesday to be able to have a, have a chat with them. So, so somewhere, uh, again, I must have had about 10 different conversations about the upcoming strike action. And funny enough, I was able to use the conversation I had with on a previous show 
with uh, Kevin mm. Courtney. Um, basically speaking back, but Kevin Courtney said to me on Teacher Talk Radio, I may add, plug, plug. Um, but And literally, the, all those conversations happen in the corridors, having a break time, yeah. having a lunch time. And I thought, oh, yeah, why don't I just say to everybody, I'm here on a, on a Wednesday afternoon during lunchtime and I'm in my room, pop in and have those yeah. conversations with me all at once. And I did see three people pop, popped in yeah. and had the same conversation. It, it, so, it's, it's definitely filling people's kind of cognitive load at the minute isn't it people thinking about this because I think, I think i think i think we said before there isn't it's 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 an it's a very uneasy situation for teachers to be in um you know our we said before you know we want to be in front of students in the classroom um and to, to have this kind of um on the horizon having thought people are questioning the kind of own motives own morals you know should they be involved should they look at the greater good um going on strike would that be a long-term benefit if, if we did it what would it affect how will it impact mm. um you know we all we all have this uh, kind of guilt i think there's a there's, a, there's definitely a guilt uh, cloud that's kind of coming o- coming coming over us um and it's it's going to be very difficult for, for for some people some people might find it very easy to to, to to process but there's a there's a nervousness there's nervous. an anxiety yeah. um you know no, nobody, you know, I, I, I haven't, I've, I've never, I've never striked in my whole in my whole career. Um, so there's, there's, there, I've got, to, I've got to think about kind of um, that. I guess a lot of people are kind of processing that at the moment, um, you know. And um, but yeah, listen back to the show with Kevin. Yeah. Um, I think he, you know, he he did he did really well. You can, you can grab that on a Podbean. Just search for um, uh, t- t- Lucy's show on Tuesday night was fantastic yeah. as well because bring me on to my head teacher um, because I, I I I always have these impromptu conversations with my head teacher which are usually like how are things as they bridge between the staff and the and the, the teachers. That's part of my my job in school as a union rep is to be the kind of like grease the wheels. Mm. So I just went to him at the end of school with a cup of tea and talked budget, talked trees, talked staff welfare, talked about a section 48 inspection as a religious school. We were on notice now for our religious inspection as mm. part of our Catholic life of our school. Uh, and, and then the strike, you know, we had a, a general conversation, how our staff and, how, and equally, how is he, how's the head teachers, you know? So we, we had a, a good impromptu meeting. It wasn't scheduled. But I felt that a couple of things I wanted to have a chat with him and equally a couple of things he wanted to chat with me. But again, that's not, where's that in my job description? Where, yeah. where, where's that in the average life of a teacher? Some will do that, some won't do that. But it, that's become a bit of my impromptu job in in, in school, which mm. I've fallen into. But I don't mind doing that because it's part of my role as a, a volunteer, yeah. you know, rep within school. And, and it, it's those things that you don't always budget for. You know, uh, my wife will say, why were you late home today? And I said, well, late home today because I had a 15-minute conversation with the head teacher about these things. Oh, okay. And, and you know, I didn't budget for that in my timekeeping, but equally I felt it was appropriate to seek out the head teacher and have those conversations in order to, to basically put some people's minds at ease and see where, where he's at, where we're at. But also just going forward, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, I go home, went home, and, and then <laughs> I, did I, go home. I did go home at <laughs> 6 o'clock at night, yeah, and then spent another... After two hours with my children, yep. getting in the bed, everything else, eight o'clock to ten o'clock, two hours of data entry. Mm. Yes, data entry. Was that kind of week? <laughs> Wednesday, same again, eight o'clock in um, staff wellbeing. I spoke to st- staff uh, about a couple of union matters again on the back of what we we're just saying. Logged a couple of my concerns, uh, which are uh, about you know um, safeguarding. 
uh, logged a couple of punishments in the previous day, um, had to do a cover lesson. Um, it wasn't a cover lesson I wanted to do, but I realised that the supply staff that came into school just wasn't really going to cut the mustard. So I sat in my classroom, which was going to be used for a cover lesson to support the cover staff because basically I wasn't there that I think the children would have ate the cover staff alive. I thought, well, I might as well stay here and do some data entry yeah. while to support, uh, support the support yeah. staff, yeah. Uh, the cover staff. Uh, again, English lessons. I talk about English lessons, uh, literacy and of mice and men. The interesting thing with the mice and men was uh, we were doing that controversial couple of paragraphs about, you know, with, with the use of the likes of the n-word and what you know and it, mm. you know it was quite interesting as a non-specialist trying to teach of mice and men but i used my history skill there yeah and, and the idea of history context and and i was able to do that because i am an historian and i know the context of 1930s america um but again it's another example of a non-specialist being used and somehow getting away with it because the non-specialist has got enough skills I just worry that in other schools maybe they're doing that and maybe that's where the children aren't getting and, and not going forward you know, I, I do think this is going to become the norm. I think staff yeah. are going to have to fill in. And I'm seeing lots of reports about some subjects in some schools being dropped because they just can't get the teachers and funding. So I, I think my what point is, is staff are going to have to be more flexible about what they teach yeah. and their specialisms because as shortages happen, people are going to have to be, you know, it's that old mantra of school will say you're there as a teacher rather than there as a teacher of a subject, which is a bit different, isn't yeah. it? Um, and I mean, is that is that possible to create a team of general teachers? I mean, it, well, primary it, school are laughing at us right now because <laughs> that's what they got. You know, they they do, and they do. I I think they're amazing. I yeah, think yeah, they're yeah. absolutely yeah, amazing yeah. for that ability that they have. I think primary school teachers are. I mean, always and all of them. I think they're absolutely amazing um, for their ability to do that. But secondary is a bit different, isn't it? Mm. You know. I think there's always two types of teachers in secondary school, those that, like myself, would, would happily teach other subjects yeah. and give it a go versus those that are like, I'm just a teacher of this. Yeah, That's yeah. it. But, but I just, I just, I'm just, as you're saying it, I'm just wondering if there's a solution in that, is that secondary schools almost become uh, like, like primary schools and the expectation is that they do stay with a teacher or a team of teachers. So they're, they're almost like five teachers around you know 50 kids and, they, and, they, and then they don't they don't, yeah. move, they don't move with it with, with, you know if you talk about building relationships yes right yeah. some of the closest relationships i've built with some children and i remember a class as my first year of teaching i had uh, a set of children for both geography and history and i took them for both subjects mm. so there was uh, about seven or eight children who i saw all the way through from year seven to year 11 yeah. all the way through to stage four as well and by the end of it, 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 you know, it was an amazing experience. And, and those, I, the impact I had on those children, they, I, I still see some of them now. Yeah. And I saw one of them recently at um, his father's funeral, ironically, because his father became a, a good, good friend of mine. And, and literally, you know, he was remarking to not go like, gosh, we, we saw a lot of you. And you sort of realise, wow, when you see, I, I think our problem sometimes is seeing the children too less to try and do too much over what with one or two periods a week i think the more the, it's, it's again like if you're a football trainer if you're, you're training to be a, a top top footballer you wouldn't be training one hour a week would you no with one trainer that's right yeah yeah i mean if you're a musician you don't do one hour two hours a week i think the way our curriculum is mm. and, and we did experiments in the past about this with two you know two week timetables and those some schools do that some schools do like 
a term of one subject and then a term of another subject. But I think there's definitely some something within that about um, the, the amount of contact time you have with the children. And, and if you could do it across multiple disciplines, I, I think the more, what I'm saying is the more I teach the children across multiple disciplines, mm. the stronger the relationship is. And, and I, I provided the evidence that earlier on when I taught a child in as a history teacher in year nine, and I now all of a sudden I'm a physics teacher in year 10, and straight away I didn't have to work at that. Yeah. They knew it was me. They know it's my standard. They knew my, they knew that although the subject might be different, but I'm still me. Yeah. But that's because I established all of that by teaching them something different. And, and even they remarked at the end of it wasn't, wasn't I was just teaching science the same way I was teaching, I would have taught history. Yeah. And yes, the subject was different, but the art should be similar, shouldn't yeah, it, really? Yeah, yeah, what we're trying so. to do should yeah, be yeah. similar, shouldn't it? Well, it's definitely an interesting point. Maybe we can investigate that in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, what, what, what might a new school look like if, if we had to kind of reimagine if we had to if we literally kind of could stop tomorrow and uh research so what day are we on now we are wednesday, wednesday so got to wednesday uh that's true true wednesday i did bust had break duty mm. had to punish a child at break duty because he thought he was peppa pig okay he decided to dance in muddy <laughs> puddles and kick water over everybody else okay so he deserved to be and the worst part of that was that was one of my lows of the week was i watched this child do it yeah and then, you know, I got over to him and was like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you're out of order. Lunchtime detention for that. Yes. Come on. You, you, you're kicking water over people. And then it, it was the reaction of, he, ga- he tried to gaslight me. <laughs> tried, it's as if I hadn't seen it. It's like, no, it wasn't me. It was like, uh, hello, <laughs> I saw you. No, you didn't. It wasn't me. I was like, I saw, and it's that, you know, and, and a lot of my colleagues were saying this week, there's a, there's a definite gaslighting going on yeah, people's yeah. the and i'm gonna sound very middle-aged here but is it are, are our children just getting a little bit more yeah, it wasn't me yeah well, it was, it's, a, it's a way out isn't it I, do you know what i mean yeah. and, and i'm not gonna for, forgive me it for kind it. Of moves, I, i'm moves. a bit of an argumentative type person yeah. myself but even i back in the day like if i was saw doing something you'd go yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was me i'm sorry about that yeah but you blatantly and i had that later on in the week with another student who had an aerosol Mm. put it put it in their in their coat pocket and i could actually smell the aerosol mm. i could see that they put it in their jacket pocket i was like could i have that please what can you have what the aerosol i haven't got it and you're like oh come on yeah. really i could i could smell it i've seen anything two of my senses have just told me i've seen this thing and i'm smelling this thing and again, this is the life of a normal teacher. These yeah. arguments that you have and these constant sort of like, oh, my word, come yeah, on. Yeah. No. And it's, it's not, if they just handed it to me, it'd be done and dusted and I'd say, right, I've got a confiscated job, don't forget about it. But it's this argument that they have and power play that they have. Mm. And of course, I'm going to go, I know you've got it. Fine. I've got to give you, you've got to be, I had to have them removed to be searched, to then find it. Because it's because, as I said earlier on in the week, somebody had set off a fire alarm with an aerosol. So we've got to get, make sure people haven't got aerosols to set up fire alarms, which is a bit ridiculous. But there I am following the school rules. And there is a child who's arguing with me about something. And they were so convincing. I'm even doubting myself going, no. <laughs> you, you, you know, and they yeah. are brilliant. Yeah, they are brilliant. Yeah. And this is a new thing. And that, that, again, that's another thing we can explore. But this is the, the life of a normal teacher, the constant arguing or niggling so yeah. it, it drains you it really yeah, it does yeah it really drained me yeah. and it affected the rest of that lesson because i'm 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 fuming that 
Why? Why? I have to look at the rest of the children and go, not their fault, it's not their fault, but it's taken 10 minutes of lesson. And I think to myself, all I had to do, maybe I should have ignored it. And you have that thing of like, maybe I should have ignored it. Mm. No, but I'm not going to ignore it. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm playing into their hands. And mm. you think to yourself, but that's what you have to do as a teacher. Yeah, so you cha- have to you draw challenge, your line. Yeah, you've got to challenge kind of poor behaviour. You the, have for, to. For the greater good. Of, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you take yeah. one for the team. So and I know I remember staff came and supported me for that, but then they, and they, and they sort of re- removed the situation. The actual English teacher who, who often teaches that class as well. Yeah. Then a bus duty, which went on to three. So I just want to kind of explore the Peppa Pig analogy. What's... Uh, what animal would you be in that, uh, <laughs> that situation? So, digging up the road. I'm always digging up the road. Digging up the road! Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking kind of, isn't, isn't there, uh, sorry, it's been a long time since I've watched Pepper Big, but isn't, there, isn't the teacher like a... Wildebeest. Yeah, Wildebeest or something. <laughs> oh, she's French Wildebeest. French Wildebeest. Yeah. So, so what would you be? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm more of a... a, a, a I, I don't really like watching Peppa Pig. <laughs> she's usually very horrible to her daddy. Oh, okay. Um, she's on the band list at the moment. Yeah. Peppa Pig's no. Uh, I, I, right, I'm, yeah. I'm not a big yeah, fan yeah, of this. Okay. She she's not very nice. She's not she, she's just, she's not very nice Peppa Pig. To be honest with you. <laughs> but that's a hypothetical, right? Yeah, I had yeah, bus yeah. duty. Then after bus duty, I actually had a crossover at parents' evening. So I went from bus duty at three forty mm-hmm. to a parents' evening face to face for the first time. So mm. first time we've got back to normal. We're that's back right, to yeah. COVID face to face. It was brilliant. But basically, from three forty-five, now get this, I had a full full whack of of of, 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 of lessons <clears throat> dealing with all that, and then I had three forty straight after school. I had five minutes between to have um, a lemon muffin and, and, a, and a can of diet sprite, which okay. is provided by the school. But thank you very much. And I had five minutes between the end of the bus duty because the bus was late, as happens. Two parents even at three forty-five, and I have to go from three forty-five to six thirty. Twenty-nine parents every five minutes. Yeah. After a six-period day, after somebody who argued me about an aerosol, after having a five-minute break at the end of the day, and of course I got home, and I was absolutely exhausted. Yeah. The parents' evening was fantastic. The parents are amazing. I don't disagree with having a face-to-face. I love it. And it's very you know brilliant to have the feedback from the parents Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it is essential. But on a six on a five-period day with post duty, break duty, no lunch because I was meeting people with the union. I was absolutely completely knackered. I yeah. taught 120 children, 150 children that day across three different, two different sub, three different subjects, and and then bus duty, no break, and then straight into a parents' evening, and then of course, eight till ten o'clock that night, data entry. <laughs> Thursday, the Thursday was special. Um, I always do what's called an act of worship, it's our assembly. And our assembly is uh, what we call our, our, our act of worship. And it's uh, it's assembly, but it's, it has to have a religious twist, being a faith-based school. But I've always done the historical days. My, my colleague and I, my old colleague, used to be the head of history, who, who was my mentor for years. He always did this act of worship. So I always feel quite privileged that I get to do this act of worship, like I get to do the Holocaust Memorial Day. Yeah. I always do the Holocaust Memorial Day on, on 27th of January. I'll always do the St. Patrick's Day, St. David's Day, St. Andrew's Day. I'll always do the historical motive, you know, like, for instance, the anniversary of 9-11, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I did a special act of worship for that. Mm-hmm. So I've always treated this with quite reverence and respect that I get to do the Remembrance Day act of worship. But that took a bit of planning. And I did a, and I, I got the kids, some of the kids to sing, pack up your troubles and roll kit bag. Mm-hmm. And I got them to sing, uh, it's a long way to Tipperary. Yeah. And the group of kids that did that, actually did this for a concert we did 
in March, no, March, March, June, sorry, for Ukraine. So we, we, we earned about £4,000 on, on an evening trying to raise money for the Ukraine mm. and Ukrainian no, refugees. It was amazing. These kids got up and sung Zombie by the Cranberries at that concert. Mm-hmm. But this group of young people did um, the medley of two songs of World War One. So that they start off with Pack Up Your Troubles. They're like uh, a cappella, you know, Pack Up Your Troubles. Yeah. In the so they're singing nice. uh, Pack Up Your good. Troubles along with A Long Way to Tipperary. Yeah, so yeah. they're at a sing. Brilliant. Oh, they were amazing. So I got that recorded. Um, what the theme I was looking at was, of course, um, I was looking at the, 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 the empire because we've had a bit of problems recently with diversity. So I was looking at soldiers of the empire and I used, and if, you, if, if as I say, Tom, Tom is there, he's probably seen this, uh, I used Peter Jackson's um, colorization of the World yeah, War yeah. One footage. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. It's major. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Mm. There's a scene in it where there's a young lad. And what I got the children to do was I had year nines in there. And the youngest soldier to fight in World War One was 13. The youngest soldier to die was 14. And I had 14-year-olds in the hall. Mm. And it was quite powerful to ask the 14-year-olds to stand up. So during the very start, it says, okay, so I've got some year nine boys here, but all who are 13 years old stand up. You're the same age as the youngest participant in World War One. Remain standing, you're 14 years old. There's quite a few of the boys still standing. Yeah, They were the age that the youngest soldier died in. And you think, I'm a middle-aged guy. Yeah. You know, I'm a middle-aged guy delivering this act of worship. Those children were closer in age to those young men that died in the war than yeah. I am. Yeah, very powerful. Oh, it was, yeah. it, it was they, they, they get it because it relates to them. Hmm. And when I've taken the kids over to Ypres and I've taken them to the Men and Gate, it's always the most powerful thing that you do when you take them. There's a very famous grave of a young boy called V.J. Strudwick. And V.J. Strudwick was uh, in that... Um, um, uh, it's the in Fandersfield, the poppies grow when McRae has his very famous cemetery, but in there is, a de- is the grave of a 15 year old. Yeah, I've never been there. It's, it's all, yeah. it's, 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 it's the most amazing school excursion I've ever taken, and, and I've done it a couple of times. Um, the Menham Gate, when they play the last post at the Menham Gate, you, you just get the shivers going down your spine. Mm. And it's the Belgians that do it. You know, they, they've done it every night since the liberation in World War One. Yeah. And of course, they weren't allowed to do it during World War Two. <laughs> but the first day they were liberated after World yeah, War Two, yeah. they got and they do it. So it's it's very sacred. And and, I, and and the beautiful thing about it is, is the irony of me as an Irishman delivering that. And I do make the point as well about that World War One, World War Two. My grandfather and great uncles, you know, mm. were in, involved in those. My great uncle died. He was nineteen. He was even in the army six six weeks. His first first big mission was Operation Mark Garden. Yeah, and he was in. Uh, he's buried Niederwerth Cemetery in Holland. So it, it's all about that making it relevant. Yeah, making it relevant to the to the children, um, and that's but that's quite exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put put the effort into creating that, and then worrying about it, and then pulling it all together for like a twenty minute assembly. But it's worth it because I don't get any bonus for that. I yeah. do it because it's part of the heritage and culture of the school. Yeah. And the expectation is, it's funny, it's not the senior management that do it. It's not, anyway, I'm not senior management. I'm the history teacher. But it's beholden within our school that the history department yeah, takes yeah. care of that yeah, because yeah. it's probably best coming from. Yeah. Well, it's the same with our colleagues that do drama and, and peer as well. You know, think about the hours they put in at the weekends for the, for the school performances. Yeah, we often forget those types of things as well, don't we? That kind of again adding to the the fifty hours that they've already done. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's, it's in addition and it's because they want to do it. It's, it's, it's about that kind of intrinsic want to do it. That's the, that's the reason they came into the profession, to do these things. To make um, that difference. To make the difference, yeah, to make the difference. To make that emotional connection. And then I've got to go and do the rest of the day. Uh, yeah. You know, I had uh, history lessons, English lessons that day. I had uh, kids doing, uh, year 11s doing um, some exam work on Queen Elizabeth and the Spanish Armada. And, and then after school, I had um, my booster session with year 11s. I have a little session with them after school where I make them a cup of tea. Mm. So I have a little kettle. Uh, I've got the kitchen next door. Um, we sit down and have a cup of tea and a cup of biscuits and I find out how they are. And sometimes mm. it's just basically to see how their mental health is. Yeah, good. So, and, and how they're doing and a bit of a catch up. Because mm. my history curriculum is so condensed and so content led that I do need the extra time. But it's also a little bit of how are they doing? Mm. And it's that relationship building as well. Um, hot chocolate, cup of tea, cup of coffee. And sometimes yeah, they want to have a conversation with me that they couldn't have during the rest of the school. But in the meantime, I was booked into a, an after um, a meeting with the sustainability coordinator for the whole trust as part of trees and everything else. Because one of my little jobs that I've taken on is to be the sustainable coordinator for the school, part of my UPS. So that's my kind of UPS target, which I don't mind doing. But again, when I look at other people doing UPS target, which is like do a CPD on this, I've kind of typically taken on more than I wanted, but I feel it's worth it. But I had a meeting at the same time I have kids doing this. So I had to run down to this meeting with the school chaplain mm. online with the trust sustainability coordinator while I've got 20 kids in my history room doing an after school booster session. And I'm thinking I'm doing a meeting while also running out of a meeting after marking some people's work about, you know, the importance of Navy in the 16th century while running down to a corridor going, yes, we're we're doing some water recycling and then running back up the corridor, go back to the room and go like, oh, you kids are right. I mean, you think that's what you're doing, aren't you? You're spinning plates, trying to do two things at once because, you know, you're trying to do as many things as possible to make a difference. So that was Thursday. Friday at the same assembly to a different different set, set of kids. Um, some of the governors were in to watch that, which is really, really good. I had one of those weird things called a free. So I had a free on Friday. Dun, dun, dun. Which I then used to measure out where the 423 was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a building with a punch like You've almost created yeah. almost the perfect standard routine then. You've, yeah. I think they call that a callback joke. Yeah, I did. Uh, for, for, for I did, but there we go. Come on, Friday, this. Friday. Did we end on a high on Friday? We did We, we did end on a high on Friday. I had my year 10, which I love. And we did some Hitler and the Munich putsch, and we went home early by my standards. <laughs> just which just was, like the idea, a bit of Hitler. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, history teacher teaches the Third Reich. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't get any more interesting than yeah. that. Especially the Munich putsch is an interesting one, actually. Um, and I, I left about four thirty, which was early for me. After you know, deleting you know all the emails I didn't want to read, <laughs> which I did bother reading, and I'd make two phone calls to parents yeah. and the tutor group. And my wife then had a surprise straight down to the the uh, theme park. Yep. And then I had a day and a half where I haven't thought about teaching. Brilliant. So that was my week. Whee! <laughs> and we're through. <laughs> what a week. Not normal in some ways, yeah. but normal in other I bet, ways. I bet it is. I bet, I bet actually, if you kind of uh, kept a log of this, it's, it's probably more normal than you, than you think. Because you just fill that time with other things, wouldn't you? Yeah. There's not... Um, I've often thought about this. There's not a week where I'm kind of just sat there. Um, if it, like you talk about kind of maybe come June, where you, maybe some of your year 13s or year 11s have left, mm. 
um, that time is really easily filled with resourcing for the next year or sorting things you out or reflecting. Think the game time. I've got to use yeah. yeah. He'd never get round to use it. But it's like the Friday afternoon, last period, if you ever have that as free, mm. what is the worst free ever in the world to have free? You get to Friday afternoon, you go, oh, <laughs> Yeah, God. you're done, yeah. Absolutely, you no completely knackered. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that's the thing my wife gets the Saturday, Saturday morning. And, and, and it's like, here you go. After all that, now you've got two children and you're a dad. You, know? <laughs> and, and it's, you it's, switch roles. Oh, my, it's tough. And you just... You want to, you want to, you want to lie in. You don't get a lie in because it's six o'clock in the morning. I get the four year old, you know, who wants to be entertained. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's exhausting, but it was rewarding. It was a good week. I got a lot done. I felt good about it. But the thing I resented the most, the data. All this, all this other stuff was absolutely fantastic. Parents evening, I wouldn't change for the world. I love, love talking to the parents. It's the bureaucracy. It's the bureaucracy that's killing. And it's the, you know, the, the nature of systems set up to be bureaucratic of having to do things for the sake of doing that gets in the way of me wanting to do more of planting trees. And, and it often gets to that stage when you hear this, you hear the government going, or you hear some commentator, you know, some shock jock who went to school 40 years ago, back in the good old days. Um, and they, you know, and they think, oh, great. What are they teaching them at school? And something goes wrong in society. They go, oh, we should put that in the curriculum. They should be taught first aid. They should be taught this and taught that. And like, Seriously, do you think we have the time, the resources, or the people to do all those things you think we need to do? And we're turning into an emergency service, or what mm. you call it, the, the fourth emergency service. But what we are doing on us average teachers in a week does take its toll. It takes an exhausting toll. And over time, over a couple of weeks, you do get ground down, you do get ill. Your mental tiredness is really, is really tough. You're keeping that motivation going. And keeping yourself right, you know. I mean, you do make mistakes. We're not we're fallible. You hope that people forgive you mm. that you make mistakes that you because you are under pressure and you're tired. And sometimes that's not the case. Yeah, well, relationships help there, don't they? Because if you've got good relationships, they know students know, don't they? When you put the effort in, and it's just gone a little bit awry or a bit wrong, um, it's a lot different to if you've just kind of not bothered. I think they they do know the difference. So even if you've made the mistakes. As as long as the, the 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 again the relationships there they know they know you don't they 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 know you you built up that yeah. relationships they know that you're in it for them you're there to support them you know and that, that and, and going back to time as well that happens in corridor conversations before school sometimes you walk down the drive as you have maybe back from bus duty yeah. on the way back from bus yeah. it's those kind of micro contact points. Uh, that are so important that we just forget about as well. Yeah. Um, I think we're we're done for today, are we? About the yeah, we're gonna we'll wrap up in a minute. Yes, what we've uh, what we've been having a good chat about was the average day and life and week of an average teacher, and we discovered that there's no such thing because yep. it always varies and it's always very different for individuals, and 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 of course in different contexts, even within schools itself. But the fundamentals are still there. You know, we, we are tasked with doing things outside our comfort zone all the time. We're tasked with doing things new. We're tasked with constantly changing things and tasked with, you know, having to constantly evolve mm. and, and to try and find better ways, better systems of trying to, to keep the essentials while at the same time balance the needs of keeping the monkey off your back, yeah, really, but, isn't it? Which, which, which kind of ironically makes it such an interesting, fascinating uh, and hugely rewarding job. 
It does indeed. Yep. So, uh, a couple of things then before we go. Uh, this has been uh, uh, Teachers Talk Radio. We are sponsored by Witherslack, who is a, the provider of SEN and care services. Um, you'll find them at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk. Um, you can also be a host on Teachers Talk Radio, like myself and, and my good friend Adam. And you can listen back, of course, to some of our fantastic shows, which um, we have a couple of, couple of great shows coming up today with Tom Starkey at 8 p.m. And we've got Maud at 5 p.m. on the Twilight Show. And, of course, you can always listen back to this and also other shows which are on Podbeam and Twitter Spaces. I'd like to think it's a lovely afternoon. It's an unusually warm day for this time of the year. Yeah, I've got so, the heating on as well. So. You do not have to <laughs> heat Stop it. Stop it. Well, Why got... do you think I'm planting 420? <laughs> I'm planting 420 trees, and here you are putting the heater on. Sorry. I mean, seriously, do I need to... Do, 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 do intervention, need, intervention is required. Do I, seriously, I, I'm going to... Yeah, how many trees now at the end of this? <laughs> you, how many more trees yeah, is going to have you planted? Yeah, you th- th- three more trees for me, please. Yeah, I think it is. It's getting like that. Tricky yeah. trees. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. Brilliant. As I say, thank you, and it has been a wonderful to have you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye from me. Goodbye, Goodbye madam. Goodbye from me. Live from Derbyshire, this is The Sunday Lunch Show with Brent Poland, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio. Hashtag TT Radio.